It's Wednesday night, so it's welcome to football. Bloody hell. On the show tonight, we've got Paul Thorpe, Ricky Hyatt, Dave Pryor, and Yelvertown's captain, Josh Staunton. sit back and relax and let's get down to the major issues of the football weekend. Go. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Um, myself, Dave Pryor, in the hosting chair with you uh, this evening, and my guests tonight are Mr. Rick Hyatt. Good evening, Rick. Evening. Good evening. And Mr. Google Pixel 6 himself, Paul Thorpe. Hello, Paul. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. I hope everybody's uh, well. Other makes of phone are available, of course. Absolutely. And um, we've got uh, Yeovil Town captain as well, Josh Thornton, joins us. Hi, Josh. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. And no goal scorer. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will definitely come on to that. But um, first of all, just before we um, get into the nitty gritty, of course, everyone at Three Valleys Radio um, shares the thoughts of the nation in the passing of um, Her Majesty the Queen Elizabeth II. I'm sure you would have all caught the, the funeral by now in the national morning as we record this podcast after all the events that have unfolded in London. Um, but of course, it's been a sad week, um, particularly for those involved with the Oval Town as well. If Josh, you don't mind me just touching on it, obviously the news broke as well about um, Marcus Stewart. Um, obviously, all everyone uh, at Three Valleys Radio is with Marcus and his family and all you boys at the club as well, helping him get through it. Um, obviously, you must have known about this, presumably, for, for a little while, Josh. Um, firstly, how... How how have you found the news? How's how has he been around the place, and um, what what's the mood like at the moment? Because it's obviously devastating to hear something like that. Um, it's a hard one, really, because Marcus is just Marcus. He just kind of tried making didn't really make a big deal out of it. Um, enforced the message that it wasn't the end of the world. So it's quite a it's quite a um, it's hard because when so. Obviously, it's very damning news. It was it was upsetting to hear firsthand from Marcus. Um, it was another tragedy as such, which seems to find it's, the club find itself in, and uh, it's hard. It feels like there's never any any down any downtime at this club. There's always something, and and Marcus is is a great bloke first and foremost, and uh, he's a very positive bloke, and he and he's got the attitude he's going to hit it face on and. We've uh, I've had a conversation with Marcus, and he wants to continue. He'll continue coming in for as long as he can, and I think that's a testament to his character, really. And um, what sort of? But it's also it's also a sign of what football, what release we can give him. Do you know what I mean? We can we can we can take his mind elsewhere and and let him focus on something something he loves rather than uh, focusing on on negative things, which which um, will understandably creep into his mind. So. It's a very, it's a very hard situation to be in. Again, it's a new situation I've never experienced in a football club, and uh, I think it's just a case of, as he is fully aware that everyone at the club support, we all support him in any way he needs, as as big or as as small as he needs us, really. And it's just trying to be that uh, that pillar of strength for him, because it's um it's a it's a long road ahead, and and. It's a bit of a step into the unknown for all of us, really. And you make a good point there, Josh, that Yeovil Town have sort of been involved with, um, you know, things off the field that have gone through to the club um, in previous times. But but Yeovil Town have shown that, you know, not only the club but the fans as well of Yeovil Town know how to pull together and sort of get people through these difficult times. Um, Paul, I know you 
you know Marcus, don't you? Um, yep. How have you found, obviously, the news that broke last week? Well, first and foremost, uh, great words, uh, Josh. I think that was really, really well put. Um, he's, he, you know, uh, Marcus is a really positive lad. I got introduced to him many years back uh, via Tony Pounder and a lad called Martin Paul, alias Birdie, uh, playing for uh, when he used to play for Bristol Rovers. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a cracking lad, and um, I'm not surprised he's he's uh, taking it on the chin the way he has, and uh, he's carrying on. Um, you know, he's he's got a lovely family, and uh, that's the devastating part of it, I suppose. That the aftermath of what you know is is down the road for him, but um, he will tackle it full on, and um, you know, we wish him all the best, and uh, we will support him in no matter uh, in any way, shape, shape or form, really. You know, he's um, he's a fantastic guy, and um, I think that we, you know, at times like this, the football community is becomes a bigger family, and uh, we will all rally together to hopefully make it as uh, as easy as possible for Marcus and his family. And Rick as well, I've no doubt you just sort of echo what what the um, the other boys have said. Absolutely. Um, Watching Marcus through the years is one of the things that comes across is his enthusiasm for everything. So uh, it's nice to see the football family, as uh, Thorpe said, coming together, supporting him. It's funny how these situations like that do tend to bring out the, the best in people sometimes, which is nice to see. And uh, yeah, just just wish him all the best and hope, hope, hope he's dealing with it as well as can be expected. Yeah, so well said, boys. And like we said, do pass on our thoughts, um, Josh, to Marcus, yeah, as I everyone on Three Valleys Radio is thinking of him. But of course, <laughs> one thing he was famous for was scoring goals. And you might know where I'm going with this now, because Josh, you might be able to clear something up for me, because I saw on the Viddy printer, because I wasn't at the game this weekend, I, I was at a wedding, I saw Josh Staunton had scored to pick Yeovil 2-1 up. And then I had a little look at the highlights. Now, I have to be honest, I don't think I saw you in the mix when you were credited with the goal, but I don't doubt that you were in there and getting on the end of it. Can you uh, tell me a little bit more about it? Do you know what? I haven't actually seen that. Oh, I was, I didn't even presume it was an own. What was it? Own goal? Well, I saw. Was it Richard Everton who got the first header in? Yeah. And then there was sort of a melee on the goal line. But they mentioned that Josh Daunton had got the goal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, I I couldn't see. I couldn't see for the life of me how it went in or, or what it touched, but no doubt that you did get on the end of it, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Ben, are you ben, sort of saying are you sort of saying that Josh was a little bit stealth like? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just telling you the pictures that I saw in front of me, and I was left a little bit confused. But I've no doubt, Josh, no, that no, uh, you definitely got on the end of it. Yeah, well, Ben, well, Ben headed it back across goal, and I I made the initially made the run across the front post, and then I kind of checked back when it went over me, and. It was like their defender, me, and then their defender had hold of me. And I, well, I definitely kicked the ball. So I just presumed I kicked in the goal. I was kind of getting pulled. So I thought I just... I've no doubt you did, Josh, to be fair. I think particularly at, you know, as you know, at this level, you get one camera angle and one view of it only. And it was like, oh, I didn't quite see what happened there. Rick, obviously you were there at the game. Was it clear? Was it clear what happened? It was clear that the ball got headed across the goal into a melee of people and uh, <laughs> wants it. I, I'm more than happy from my point of view. I'd, r- I'd rather he got it than someone else. Yeah, I, 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 believe, I honestly didn't even know it was up for debate, to be honest. I thought I just... No, I didn't. I thought... I, didn't I just... I, I know, all I know is I ended up under a pile of them in the goal. There was two, two, two of their big lads on top of me. I thought, Christ. It wasn't, it? It wasn't up for debate. Nobody from, thought it was up for from the, debate. Yeah, from the, from the official... Statistics, Josh, it's definitely your goal, mate. So don't oh, let yeah. me sway the decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted Listen. to have your take on it from the angle that I saw. I thought, oh, I couldn't quite see what it came off to go into the goal, but happy that it did, of course. Yeah, just in case again, it was to be honest, it was just a case of trying to get it in there. And I think it kind of came off my knee, shin, and then I don't know if it, it might maybe it hit one. I, I've got no idea, but I was close enough to get something on it and make it, or else I would have just headed it or kicked it away. So, Josh, it's yours. Yeah, absolutely. Thorpey? Well, there's two things. One is that you're trying to put the old commentator's uh, controversy Can on you it. Believe I can't that? believe that. I mean, That's the so- centre-halves union, <laughs> uh, you know, we've got to give it to Josh. But if there is any doubt, is there any chance that I could possibly claim it? <laughs> no, you probably could pass for each other, mate. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> 
Didn't you get a nosebleed if you got that close to the opposition's goal? Listen, I scored my fair share. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about okay. that, son. Okay. You don't worry about that, my boy. You know what I mean? Listen, we, we're Joe or Josh, if you will. But um, let's talk about the game then, Josh, because obviously if you take it in isolation, I'm sure that, you know, a majority of fans will look at it and say a point against Chesterfield. It's probably a decent point. Um, but no doubt you're probably left a little bit frustrated that you couldn't get all three. Yeah, it was, it was really disappointing, to be honest, because there's there's no really way to dress up nicely. There, we had two really really poor perform performances. We got a point easily, which on the balance of play was a turned out to be a good point because they dominated us. So it was more on the back of two really poor performances against York and Eastley. We went out there and we looked like we had, we could actually play. Do you know what I mean? We we believed in ourselves and we could actually get the ball down and play. And I think. That is the that is the key for us really because when we do it we and we actually move it around nicely we look good, but when we go into our shells and go timid, it's 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 basically non-existent. So it was a it was a good performance in terms of we got it down and and the boys looked like they could believe in it, in, uh, in ourselves again. But the result was really really disappointing. And I know you get strings strings of luck like when you're playing top of the league. The ball for the first goal just fell straight to the bloke's like I think Grantley parried it and it went yeah. straight to the bloke's feet. And I mean the corner, it, we a couple of players, we switched off really in terms of defending locking on, but the bloke dragged the corner back it, miss kicked it, it's gone straight to their man who's had a touch and put it in the net. And do you know what I mean? On another day that goes he back it was over the crossbar or and when you're top of the league, things like that go for you, and, and you've only got to look at their result the other day when they nicked one in the last minute. It it's swings and roundabouts, really. But unfortunately, we just seem to be when you're in a little rut, you can't really get out of it. But I think in terms of us as a team, it was a really encouraging performance to to show we could do it against Chesterfield, who are a good team, got a lot of good players. It has to fill us up, fill us with belief, and and we've got to go and implement that same. That same um, that same sort of performance against Boreham Wood on Saturday, and just hope the tiny little details. One, we switch on better to them, and, and two, the bits of luck begin to go our way. Great cure at the game was doing the commentary this weekend, yeah. and it sounded like that. Um, you know, for certainly objectively, um, you can say that it was a bit of a, a bit of a ding dong game, ding dong game, and quite a, quite a belter, wasn't it? From it was. Heard? It was the. Best game I think I've been to, and without uh, blowing smoke up the proverbial, you you landed from Mars or whatever, and you looked at that, and you said that one team was top of the league and one team wasn't. You would you wouldn't have thought it was Chesterfield that were top of the league, and that is that's that's saying something. They were hanging on. I don't, Josh. Did they have any? They didn't really have another opportunity apart from the two that went in. That's that's the most disappointing thing. I think they had two yeah. shots on target. They had a very very tame one at the beginning of the second half. Yeah, so they have two shots on target, and they've and they've scored both, and that just seems to be the way it's going for us at the moment. Same exact same situation at Barnet, and and hopefully, well, the penny's got to drop well sooner or later, rather than later. We've just got to stop conceding chances. But it seems like when we're on top, teams get have one of them days, and when we're not on top against Eastleigh, that they can't score. So it's it's um it's a really strange one at the moment. Um, it's one one yeah. of the things that uh, said in commentary was um, the important thing is not just to take that performance in isolation because it was against the, the top of the league. It's doing that. It's playing like that against all the other teams in the division, and you'll be flying up the table before too long if you keep doing like that because you know you know they were they were there for the taking. Yeah, they and, really and were. Joe, Joe, Rick, I, I had a bit, I had a bit of, I had a moment myself on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, and. And I was looking at, and, and as you do, you, you look at tiny little details of games which haven't gone your way or we should have done better. And without really having to dig deep and scramble for, for things, uh, for, for, for situations, we could, we could easily have, well, if you look at the draw, the draw at Altrincham, yeah. a minute, two minutes away, three minutes away against Chesterfield, um, uh, and a couple more that puts, and there was a couple more situations where we, it's only tiny little details. We would easily be somewhere around the top ten. Yeah, and that is 
that's what's that's what's encouraging. And and I was looking at the table, and it was the first time I've I've ever really done it. Really, as a I was just trying to look at different things because I've never been in a situation where I've done it where I've looked at a table so early. But I was so interested to see how fewer wins uh, losses we've had compared to other teams. There's, and there's definitely there's definitely a platform there from what we see. I mean. Um, Thorpe, we've obviously done a lot of games so far this season, and even the ones where um, Yeovil haven't managed to to get the win. If they have lost, it's been by a narrow margin. Like you take Scunthorpe, that I know a game's ninety minutes, but another ten minutes, and Yeovil are taking something from that game. Yeah. York City, okay, maybe that was the one performance that you might have been a bit disappointed with. I, I yeah. don't know, Josh, but it's still, it was a fine margin and it, it could have easily gone either way. It's very close margin so far. Even as bad as we played against York, we were still in a game. We've been in everything. Definitely. And and when you're looking for answers, really, that's quite a positive thing. I, I've tried swinging it as a positive to think, God, no one's really beaten us. We've No one's really, you're really beaten ham- us. Yeah, like no one's ripped us open. Mm-hmm. And, and, Throughout the season, if you if we are looked at, if we continue, if we can make them, because every team, especially at this level, has bad games. If we can make them bad games not so bad, and to, because one one all against Eastley, as bad as we were, we've got a point away from home. And he's a strong side against, against a good side, and, and they pass yeah. it around nicely. And and yeah. if that was us on an off day, there's teams in the, there's teams who on an off day will get beat five six nil. Yeah. And if we can try and just raise our standards every week, and Saturday was a massive platform to build on, that's when we can start attacking the league. And 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 it and I'm not as uh, discouraged as as some people probably are because I've I'm playing in the game, so I'm I can feel the situation. And um, there hasn't been a game yet where I felt out of it. So as bad as the stat the as poor as the start has been in terms of results, it would take four or five little details to be tied up and we'd be right where we wanted to be. So uh, as it, it makes it a little bit tougher, but it's not. Um, it's definitely not panic stations for, for, for I just want to ask you, Josh, from a personal perspective, if, if it's not too difficult a question to answer, um, that the manager's um, listening in, that obviously... This season, you, you're playing as part of pre- predominantly as part of of a back three. Do you see yourself is that a position that you prefer to be in? As obviously you have that midfield role responsibility as well that you're more than capable in. Do you have a preference of where you are, or just a case of where the where the team and the manager need you? Um, I've I've really enjoyed playing in the back three, to be honest, and um, I feel like I can I add something a lot more to the game in terms of. I can kind of start the process of calming the team down from there. Um, I'm, I would say, the games I've played in midfield, we would probably bypass the midfield a bit more because I've always tried. I'm trying to just slowly get uh, calm the team down a bit at the back, and I feel like it's, it's quite a. It's been quite an important role, probably a role which probably doesn't get noticed. But um, the thing is. It's, I've, I've always enjoyed playing midfield, but it's hard when you keep jumping in and out, like, including pre-season. I've only really oh played two games in midfield and, and it's a completely different game in there. You get tackled from all angles. The game's much, much quicker. Um, every decision changes. So, I just think if I continued to work a, in the back three, I, I would I would probably be, we could probably be quite successful as a group. Um, you do look comfortable there, right? Yeah, well, the thing is, the thing is, not many. People, I, I, the majority of my career, I was I was a defender all, all the time growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't really step into midfield until I was twenty-two. So did that vary between playing in a three or a two? Or no, this is this is the first time I've ever really played in a three. Okay, off the top of my head. Um, and just how different is it, Josh? Um, I want to take, just going into the Premier League, for an example, take someone like Connor Cody, who was let go by Wolves this season on loan because they went to a back four and was the general consensus is that he can't play in a back three, even though he went to, gone to Everton, they actually played in a back four this weekend and was one of the outstanding players. I mean, just how different is it to play between a two and a three? Or is it a little bit of a, 
a myth, for want of a better word, that you can't play in one or the other? Um, I, th I think some people's attributes definitely leave them to be more desirable in one in one formation. Like you can probably get away with playing smaller players on the outside of a three than you could if you had them directly in a two. Uh, probably not so much in the Premier League. I'd say that's probably more in the lower leagues. You can you can get away with having more athletic footballers in the back in a back three just because you've always usually got one of the three is usually quite big whereas when you're just a pair you can easily you can, can get dominated because it's easier much easier for a player just to peel on one player um but on the whole i think like the thing is football's just overcomplicated a bit isn't it like when i used to thing is when i used to play in midfield when i was playing in midfield at, mainly at halifax we used to split the centre-half really wide and I'd drop in the middle of them anyway. So it'd be basically like playing in the middle of a three. Yeah. But you'd just be in front right, just ever so slightly rather than ever so slightly behind. So if you've got a good... If you... Connor Cody can do both because he's a good player, but certain managers have opinions on how each player should... Each formation should look and how each team should look. So I think it comes down to the individual, really. Some people might want really quick players on the outside of their... Um, on the outside of their... They're three, whereas other managers aren't really worried about it. What about you, Thorpe? Have you have you played in both? Yes. Yep. Uh, for the year we won our uh, the the treble, like we actually um, played in a, in the three for that was the second season under Brian Hall. Uh, so I know very much how to play uh, the three. I mean, just going back to a couple of things because I lost connection for a little bit. Is that um, it, it is the it, with Yeovil Town? They seem to be getting the luck going against them at the moment and that will only turn via like hard work determination and uh, uh and so they spin those bad luck round to good luck and it is frustrating as a player when you don't get that luck going for you because you feel like it's just against you and then the decision seems to go against you as well so hopefully that'll that'll change as regards to playing in a three um i always find that the outside uh center halves are the are the more important ones because they're the ones that talk to uh, the wing backs. The wing backs have got to be extremely fit because it's one hell of a job up and down all day. But it's it's their communication with the wing backs when they're deciding when to drop in and also to make the five and then when to release them to make the three. Uh, but it's also hugely important um, that the the we we call it sort of marking backward a square. So it's just on the outside channel, I and mean, you have to be you've got to have some balls to play it. But you, you sort of mark on the outside so you can control the channel. You can control the player more from that position because it means that you can work the channel, get in there early. You can get the ball behind on the on the outside channel. You can get tight if you need to. You can challenge in the air if you need to. But you can also try and nick the ball as well. So if you're playing, say, like the player, and you're just on the outside, probably touch tight, and you're working that channel, it, it, and it's a hugely important part of, of playing in the three. Um, the other bit I'd like to say is that if you, it's two, two, two styles of centre halves. There's, there's, there's my style, whereas you're a battler, possibly better against a, a bigger lad, um, possibly down the middle. I used to play actually on the left hand side because I was quite good at being my left foot. But, um, but a no-nonsense type uh, centre-half. So probably the distribution probably is not as good. But when you've got, and I will blow a little bit of smoke up uh, good old Joshy's backside here, is that when you've got a cultured player who can play in midfield as well as play at the back, like a Connor Cody, like, like Josh Staunton, because Josh could definitely, let's make no bones about it, he could definitely play higher, okay? That the, 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 when he's, because he's more cultured, that old bless him, old Thorpey here, you know, and, and a few others, a bit, you know, a bit like you know Max as well, is is that he he can actually bring the ball down and he'll play it to feet more. Where like I would be an out and out defender, defend for your life for the ninety minutes and then pretty much knock the channels. Or if we get a bit more time, then play it in the feet when you got a bit more if time. If in doubt, knock it out, Thorpey. Eh? If yeah, if <laughs> in doubt, yeah. Listen. I, in my day, it was like win the war. If you don't win the war, then you know make sure you make it as difficult as you can for him. So, so, he, so, so, Josh is absolutely right. Him playing in midfield, maybe they're missing Yobertown are missing that little bit of more culture at the back because he's so good on the ball 
and he can play really well and he reads the game superbly well. Sometimes he drop, you see him drop, drop a little shoulder and you know, and then just walk out. And you think, well, he's you know that that strike has gone for the milk and. You know, he look, it, it, it makes Josh look absolutely fantastic, like, you know, Beckenbauer of our day. But, it, you know, but that's 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 the advantage of having realistically... Josh is taking mean, that Beckenbauer comparison all day long. See that yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, when you've got that culture there, and you've got that midfielder playing as, as a central defender, go on, mate, if you, I mean, you can make yourself one hell of a player you know, and I think that, and I've said this before, and I, and, and and it's not blowing smoke of it. He, he's he's leading from the front. He, he's playing well, even in a, in a team that's not performing as well as it possibly could. But you know, the early days, and the manager has to be given that time to actually do it. But he's allowing he's allowing the play to develop from the back because of his culture. He can knock it into Matty Worthington. He can knock it into Diaz. He can knock it into other players to their feet. And then they were going to start building the play up around the little triangles, you know, um, and then possibly trying to get it into the front men. I think the front men need to be doing more personally. I don't think they show enough. I don't think they work across the front line of the, of the defenders enough. I don't, I don't see that ball coming into them, sticking and then knocking out. And then the second man running, um, and possibly we don't win enough second ball. But in saying that, you know, um, when you've got a player uh, of, um, of of Josh's, uh, you know, and, and and Williams as well, and Max is sort of, you know, he's still doing a great job back there. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the culture that we get and the actual play in football and knocking about, I think I think that's definitely the way that Town need to play at the moment instead of like just bosh, 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 bosh. You know, and um, and I think when you've got uh, a player like Josh at the back, then I think that is a massive bonus for the squad of players because they 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 breed off off his, his confidence with that. Yeah, and, and, and the last yeah. commentary game I did, sorry, Josh, the last commentary game I did was the Barnet one at home, and it's chalk and chalk and cheese the performance from from the boys in those two games, and uh, I would just say, um, Josh, please just remember. That um, Thorpey and I were very nice about you, and Dave tried to nick your goal. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I remember that. I think I think Thorpey's right though, isn't it? It, it? It's about having a um, players who complement each other. Like mm-hmm. Ben, I really enjoy playing next to Ben because he's extremely good at things I'm not good. I'm not so good at. Yeah. He's He he basically he. Him having him next to him, he's so strong. It's like equals us out to a level where we're both the same strength because he can do things I can't. And mm. I'm probably more comfortable in different areas where Ben's not. So it allows Ben to play his normal game and we can really... Um, well, you know that area is going to be dealt with, don't you? Yeah, it's yeah. Pure and, I think, I think, and I think we, we... The pair of us, we had a, a poor... not We had a... A disorganised half against York, and I think it. Te- I think it definitely showed because I think we were there was a we were stuck in a bit of a grey area. Whereas when we both know black and white, this is what you do, this is what I do. I think we're mu- we're much more effective. So I think it's just a case of going back to basics, isn't it? And, and believing in what you're good at and and doing your strengths and and putting your strengths on the team. And then if everyone does that, we're 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 more than comfortable. Well, there's of, there's definitely know. a connection because Ben got you the assist, didn't he? I'm just bringing it back round now. I'm just bringing it back round. Oh, he's digging. He's trying now. He's trying to <laughs> dig himself out of this hole. And and do you know what? Fair play because the gaffer. Um, we we had a um, we had a meeting with a few of the older boys on on I can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, and we actually said what we we're going to do from set pieces. And the gaffer oh, wow. said to said to four or five of us older boys, go away and think up some ideas of what has been successful for you, what you think can work for you your group of boys and and that set piece was exactly what we worked on and I mean down to a T like where Rex crossed the uh, Ben's run the edge man stepping across Ben getting free round the back square across the goal and someone tapping it it was literally you tapping it in Josh sorry I'm going to watch the highlights again when I when I finish this and, and it's, I'm sure it's my eyes I'm sure I do apologise if only this podcast wasn't being recorded eh and going out on radio no, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I've got no bones. It was exactly where he wanted to put it, and and we always said if you put the ball across there, something's going to happen. So, and and it did happen. So it was it's that's testament to the gaffer as well, really, because he's got the the. I don't, uh, he's got the he allows us to the responsibility to take on ownership of what we want to do, and it's and there's a lot of managers out there who wouldn't who wouldn't give the players that sort of uh, freedom freedom and and delegate that sort of power to players because just in case it didn't go the way we wanted and and fortunately this time it paid off. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think we've 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 covered we've covered that game. I don't want to talk about it anymore, in case I can get myself into any more trouble with this goal. <laughs> I still digging, boss. Yeah, boss, right. I'm still digging. Still it's digging. my fault for it's my fault for not being <laughs> being at the game this weekend. So uh, let's move on. But good commentary, though, Rick. Good commentary. Oh, thanks. Thank you. So, um, you I think I do want to touch on. <laughs> I think I do want to touch on. Oh, go on. I was just going to say, apparently Josh is too busy on a Saturday afternoon to listen to my commentary. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, Rick? Do you know what is really funny? A lot of the time, AD would text me at about quarter past three on a Saturday. Can I do the pod on Monday? Honestly. He's not replying. Why isn't he replying? As if I'm just going to just quickly nip in and go and check my phone. Are you Are you surprised? Are you surprised? <laughs> and I actually thought, is Andy not here? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just expecting you to shout from the centre circle. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, with what happened um, last week, guys, and the and the passing of um, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the the Football Association decided to um, postpone the game to relatively. Um, last minute because they wanted to observe a period of um, uh, respect and silence, which has been met with sort of a mixed reaction, I think, because certainly of how late in the day the first round of fixtures um, were postponed. Obviously, this weekend there was a policing aspect because of the state funeral, so that kind of makes a little bit more sense. Mm. Um, Thorpe, I'll come to you first. Yep. What did you make of the decision originally? Was it a little bit knee-jerk? Did we miss out on an opportunity to show our respect and a chance to be able to mourn together at that point? Or were we a little bit hasty to pull the plug on everything, uh, considering when you look at lower, lower down the pyramid as well, just how much more of an impact that disruption would have caused? Um, no, I... Listen, uh, first and foremost, you've got to remember that the Queen's love of sport um, is, is immense. And uh, um, and she's been at very many um, games at difficult times um, and, and supported every single one of them. Um, I would personally um, would have liked the games to carry on because I think that the actual respect um, just globally for, for the Queen is immense anyway. But when that's been shown up with over the last um, few days. Um, but I think that she would have wanted it to, to carry on personally. And I think that also the fans have shown how fantastic they, they've been um, in, in, in honouring her and respecting her um, at the 70th minute. But also, I just think they right across sport has been impeccable. The silence... Right into Scotland, all the all that has been absolutely fantastic, and um, and I can't compliment uh, the players uh, and the clubs and the fans for, for, um, enough to for, for what they've done. Um, I personally would have carried on because I think that the the silence, if even if we did a two minute silence or or a two minute a minute silence and a minute's applause or whatever, I think that we could have really like embraced the situation instead of. Um, you know, lo losing a, a game or two out of the curriculum, like if you like me. How late in the day did you find out, Josh? Did it disrupt your planning? Because obviously you were getting ready to play somebody else. Uh, fortunately, it didn't really disrupt us too much because we went into Friday morning. Obviously, um, there was rumours that the games were going to be off, but we 
trained as of nine, uh, 10 o'clock when we went out to train on Friday, it, the game was on. It was the working so we, game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the working game, yeah. yeah. So, so we trained as normally, a normal match prep. And then at about, as we were coming to, f- we were just about to finish training. I think we delayed training an hour, so we would know. And by the time we finished our match prep, the gaffer had received, uh, had been told that we were the game was off. So we just carried on training. Basically, we'd done a little bit more. It didn't, fortunately, the way it worked out, it didn't really disrupt us in the slightest. Um, we 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 trained as if the game was on, and then and then done extra. So um, it just changed the the, ske- the schedule really. But I agree, Thorpe. I, I I would have really personally, I would have really liked to have played. I played. I thought it would have been a a really poignant game in your career, and it would have been one you would definitely have remembered for a long, long Actually, time. As, as everybody's shown this weekend, just by obviously postponing it and then having it again this weekend, that everybody's shown just how respectful. You know, it could have been last week. Yeah, it, it, as a player, they're the, them games. They they really they really are like. Well, it would have been a once in a lifetime for a lot of players, wouldn't it? And it and it being in, when when people see National Anthem and, and things like that, it does it makes it the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. So, yeah, it would have been really really special to have been part of that commemorative commemorative weekend, really, and um, to have been because you look at. The other sports and how I watched the cricket and I thought, yeah. I can't believe how amazing it must have been to be on that pitch when the national anthems were sung and and the minute silence. Yeah, well, that's that's what Ben Stokes said, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was so glad that they played as close to the event so that they got an opportunity to show, yeah, that the respect and also the cricket was the first uh, first airing uh, sporting event of God Save the King, which is yeah. a bit confusing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just 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 on that, Rick, as well. Sorry, Josh. Uh-huh. Um, it coincided when Manchester United were just about to play Real Sociedad, didn't? Wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, must have been about. about know, it would have been just just before kickoff, yeah. possibly. Yeah. yeah, it was. How strange do you think it would have been for everybody inside Old Trafford for people putting on the game as well to then have to sort of think about quite quickly what they're going to do in order yeah. to show some sort of acknowledgement when it happens, you know, 40 minutes, you know, 40 minutes before kickoff, you get this huge announcement. Well, in a way, having that game and having that news come out is a more um, instinctive sort of reaction to what's happened. Whereas if you played, like, like with the cricket, didn't get played a, uh, for a couple of days or whatever, and the games, rugby and stuff that did go on at the weekend, because there was only an hour, people didn't have time to, process what they were exactly feeling and if they were going to be uh, disrespectful or whatever, it, they didn't get the, the the platform really to do it. I mean, the ones that really got caught out were BT Sport because uh, their coverage was, they, they decided that an appropriate way to show respect to the Queen was not to have pre-match, half-time yeah. or after-match. It? it was so weird. So instead of having a build-up, you know, that you could have done, they had a hundred best Euro Divisie goals to some house music, <laughs> which, which is yeah. slightly less appropriate than having Dizzy, some yeah. in yeah. the studio saying that. I mean, BT really, really dropped the Actually, ball. That shows a little bit of um, this has just happened panic, possibly. Yeah. Good you just touched on. Yeah. And the other thing about it is, of course, the fact that uh, Thursday was also... Uh, my birthday, the day the Queen passed, was my birthday, so I'm never going to be allowed to... Yeah, you'll never celebrate again. <laughs> no! That's my birthday bucket for the foreseeable <laughs> future, isn't it? <laughs> People will be worrying about other things. It's, it's funny, because when it actually happened, I was actually at uh, in Eton, right, uh, literally, uh, we walked the end of the road, over the bridge, and uh, up to Windsor Castle, and um, uh, thankfully... Marks and Spencer's bless them had kept their uh, doors open just for flowers only, and we actually laid some flowers. But it was it was quite surreal because uh, as we were walking across the bridge, there's this famous um, one well, they're all going about the rainbow appeared, like you know, just yeah. literally. And there wasn't uh, it, the crazy thing was there was not an ounce of rain about. It just this a rainbow just appeared, and there was no you know no like sun and rain. It was just 
bright, sunny, a few clouds, and this rainbow appeared. It was really all quite surreal, be, really. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, all the places to be. Yeah, we were going up for the Friday, the day that the BMW Classic Golf was um, oh, was yeah, actually yeah. uh, cancelled. And, um, yeah, it was, we were up there, and so we eventually did on the Saturday. We went to um, uh, to the, uh, the the long walk and saw all, all the flowers out there. Um Spent some time there reading some of the messages and then just sort of like uh, pulling in the atmosphere and um, showing our respect, really. Like, but yeah, it's a real time, certainly won't forget where I was. Yeah. Obviously, because of last week, we didn't get a chance to, to record a, a podcast last week. So there was some big news that we haven't been able to talk about um, so far, which is um, Mr. Tickle, a favourite here on this podcast, Tommy leaving Tickle. Chelsea, uh, getting the can after the 1-1 draw. Uh, it was away. No, sorry, 1-0 defeat, wasn't it? To yeah. Dean yeah. Mozart Graham. It shows how long ago it was in my memory. Um, they brought in Graham Potter. Um, it sounds like from what we've heard that it wasn't necessarily to do with the result in Zagreb. It sounds like that it's been happening sort of in the background for a little while. Rumour has it as these things come out as often does with a big story like this that Mr. Tuchel has been unhappy pretty much since the 4-0 defeat to Arsenal in, in pre-season. Dorothy, um, I'm, I'm not going to ask the question, are we surprised? Because it's Chelsea and we've and we've been here before. But yeah. did we did we think it was probably going to go this way, just judging on how the team has been and his demeanour has been so far this season? Uh, well, first and foremost, I don't think uh, Tootle deserved to get the sack. Uh, I think that the, the owner, when he took over the club, had a person in mind who he wanted anyway. Um, that's my, my my opinion. Is I think that he's, he was eyeing up Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter has, has uh, done superbly well um, at a lesser club, and I think that he's he deserved his chance at uh, a high, you know, a, a bigger club. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, again, you've said it, you know, it was Chelsea. They seem to have this 18-month uh, um, curfew on managers. Um, but um, I certainly would like to see managers stay there a bit longer. I think it's not, a, for me, it's not a good, um, I mean, they, people could sort of say that's wrong. I don't think it's a good way of, of running a club. But they say, well, hang on a minute. They've won this, this, this by changing the manager every 18 months. But for me, it's not a, a good, you need stability. For the players as well, I think they need stability. Um, I don't think it's, Good when you you're constantly having a different manager because there's a, a new style of play to you know and a training regime to, to sort of encounter. Um, your body takes a while to get used to these different training regimes and um, and also different styles of play. So I think learning how a club wants to play its DNA um, and its culture, um, you need some time to embed that. That's why managers need a chance to embed that into you know the culture into the club, but also needs time to develop, and also you need time to actually build that squad up to be able to develop your own style of play as well. And eighteen months is not long enough. It was a bit surprising in the way. Sorry, surprising is the wrong word, but their transfer policy was very strange, wasn't it? In terms of the fact that he was definitely frustrated that he wasn't getting the players that he wanted and the money wasn't available and yeah. then right at the end of the window they had all this money the players came in and then they got rid of Tuchel it seemed yeah. really really strange that the way that they had, had done it but then Josh maybe we we shouldn't be surprised that this has happened at Chelsea it, it, it definitely doesn't make sense does it I don't know I think I read somewhere That's that how it looks though, doesn't it? That yeah. he was then given his what he wanted, and then they let him go. Yeah. So, so why would why would if you had the plans on sacking him or always wanted to sack him, why would you let him bring in his own players? Because yeah. like Thorpe said, players struggle to adapt to managers. Managers adapt struggle to adapt to players. And um, well, you just particularly Abamia. That's that's the one that is yeah. the most. He, he, was, he went to play on the Tuchel, didn't he? Yeah, that's why he came. And, but but now he's got at least what, three, four months playing with a team which isn't his is going to take a long time to phase the old players out on big contracts. So it really is strange. Like I, I heard that, or I read that he wanted to sign, the chairman wanted to sign, was the one who wanted to sign Ronaldo, yeah. wasn't he? That's and, an American and, thing, isn't it? Yeah, and Tuchel didn't, didn't want to. So it does make sense in that front, but you wouldn't let him have any money in the transfer window if you were that on edge. 
no. You bring your new manager in, and then you're allowing the, you know the, the 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 money to be able to develop, start developing his squad. Well, and, just uh, on that, then, Thorpe. Just doesn't what make. What do we think of um, Potter being the man to get it? Because there was talk, there was a little bit of talk of Pochettino and Zidane, but it seemed like that Potter was the the overriding choice that they wanted. Not which... not from what I've heard. Not from oh, what I've okay. heard. I, I I I heard that um, that he he was. Very much top of the list, and he, you know, since the owner had, had has taken over the club, that Potter was his man. But do I you think, think that that will thing... have to bring a change in um, approach, or is it going to be a case of they'll say that it will change new regime, but the likelihood is that it might be the same? Because I did wonder when I heard about this whether Potter might be put off at all, because he's not obviously going to want to go in there knowing that he could be. A- out of a job in 12 months' time, he'd want assurances. As I've said before, I mean, a manager needs probably four. I mean, Josh, you'd probably like spit on this one, but I think he needs at least four transfer windows, possibly even five transfer windows to be able to, like, actually say, right, this is my squad. Yeah. And then the club's got to back him. I mean, you've got Leicester at the moment. They In the last um, 18 months, two years, they've only spent £3 million. What hope has the manager got of staying in this football football league uh, of the Premier League with only spending three million quid? You know they they've opened. Listen, they've openly said and they said look, they're piling money into the ground, the training, this that, blah blah blah. You know, and they're they're basically skinned. Well, fair enough, but you you can't then put the pressure on the manager saying, well, hang on a minute, we've lost our goalkeeper who's a massive presence out on the field, but probably even a massive bigger presence in the in the changing room. You know, and then you got. Other players who are, are, are bordered on leaving, you know, and, it, it, they're, and they're quality players. And then all of a sudden your squad's less, you know, you've got less cover for certain positions. And that's why they're now get, get, getting in the position they are now. And you just, all of a sudden, that, that's the manager's fault? I don't think so. You know, I actually think that it possibly could be a good time for, for Brendan Rodgers to move. And, and maybe have a fresh start with, with a new manager. Well, if but they're sh- if they're sh- you can't the money, they can't afford to pay him off, can they? That's, 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 that's the other thing as well. You know, all of a sudden, if he's going to be asking for six, seven million, you know, in a in a payment uh, to to release him from his contract, you know, and uh, all of a sudden that's that's even they're in more more in the shit really because you know what they've got to do. I think personally is work through this. If they go down, stick with the manager. And then try and work their way back up again. Yeah, the, the, but hopefully the was, they won't. Well, they won't get to that point. The thing with Rogers is they were in a strong position, and they, like you say, they just have not invested at all. Not invested it's at all. His, and he's had his hands tied behind his uh, tied behind his back. It, it is. It's almost as if, unfortunately, the 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 worst thing for Leicester was losing their owner, wasn't it? And the helicopter crash yes. because he yes. had the he had the real drive for Leicester and yeah. Maybe I think it was it his son who took over. Yeah, yeah his son. Yeah, yeah. Probably doesn't have that same sort of passion for it, and and maybe that's where look. Everyone knows in the Premier League to stay at the, at the top end of it, you have to keep. You have to invest, and 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 Leicester just haven't haven't. With done that, that in mind, boys, do you think that Rogers is being unfairly um, given a status at the moment of a stock not being very high. Like, I take the Chelsea job, for example. Now, he's a manager that you would expect to be in that list of managers that they'd be looking at. But because, obviously, the start that they've had at Leicester, not even a mention when it wasn't that long ago, where, Rick, I know you're not going to like this, but he was a name that was amongst, you know, know. the Man United candidates. So when you look at the financial issues that they're in, I mean, it's not on Brendan Rodgers that Leicester are where they are, is it? He has had the rug pulled under his from under him a little bit, but I guess that's how it goes with managers. You're you're only as good as what your team is. The, the, the good the, listen when you get an influx of players. Listen when you well, let's do it two ways, right? When you get players that have been there a long time, right, and they know their places in, you know, they know they're going to be in the side. Like Vardy, if he's in there, he's going to be playing. You know, sometimes you can get your slippers on. You know, and and uh, you might lose that half a yard of sharpness. You might think you're training well. You might think you're playing well. You know, my latter part, I looked at my, my career at, at Dorchester. You know, I started off on a steam train. You know, by the end of the second season, 
you know, I thought I was, you know, absolutely thought I was doing doing okay. But actually, when I look back at it, I, I probably had dipped in form. I probably had thought that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm captain and I'm, I'm, I got my slippers on and, and maybe I wasn't performing well enough, you know. But when you actually, all of a sudden, you bring somebody in, um, like happened at Yeovil, you've got Mark Shell coming in, you've got Neil Cordyce coming in, you've got other players like, like dropping in and, and, and wanting to take your place. Then all of a sudden you you get a rocket up your backside. Cool, I need to perform here. I really need to like you know push myself in training. I need to train harder. I need to work harder. I really need to show this manager what I'm about. And that sharpness makes the whole squad buzz that a little bit more. And you get that little listen here. Don't let me down out there. What? Why are you not doing that? Get you know tuck in a bit more. You know work hard together as a squad. And 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 when you you can only do that if you're investing and and you know, almost putting me under pressure, putting Josh under pressure, you know, putting Diaz under pressure, Matt Worthington under pressure. So, the, so they got to work hard for their place in the squad. And when you're only spending three million quid, you're not able to do that. Not, and, Is there an argument, like, Thorpe, just on the flip side, that I totally get the point of what you're saying there. And, that, and I think there's no doubt that when you look at this season that that is definitely an element to it. And you look at the players that have also gone and then no one else coming in. But yeah. is there also an argument that the players that are left and that they do have, they, yeah. should, they should still be sitting with more than one point at this stage? Oh, 100%. Uh, Madison said it. The players have got to take more responsibility. Don't look at the manager. He actually came out and said it. Don't know the manager. Players, the players have got to take more responsibility. Take the game against Spurs this weekend, boys. I mean, they were in it. They were and in then it. they just they fell apart. Yeah. So, yeah. Com- confidence is a crazy, crazy thing. Unless you've been on a pitch <laughs> yes. high the confidence and lows of confidence, it is the it is the, the stretch. It's so easy from the outside to say they should do it. I'm, it's it's frightening, Thorpe, isn't it? How how yeah. much you, yep. If you're if you're feeling good, you can see the goal. You say we're going to go and get another one and get and yep. we'll, score, we'll beat them two one. And if you're low on confidence, they score a goal. You say crush, batten down the hatches because this could be three or four. Yeah. And if, Josh, is there an element of that happening to you guys on Saturday in the sense that you, each time you scored, they came straight back and equalised within minutes? It's not like you had a decent spell where you were the team that was. That was in the lead. Do you know what I mean? I think, just... I think that's 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 the um, the hard thing about playing a team which is going through a rough patch and a team which is flying. Yeah, because the mentalities couldn't be different. As a yeah. team who's just conceded, you want five minutes where you can just shut up shot and then you get back to playing again. Yeah, just you know, take a stock of the whole thing and say, like, yeah, yeah, we are in the lead. Let's keep going. Just keep going. And, and, well, there was a lot a team... of opposites as, as well, wasn't there, in the Leicester game? Because then you saw. Talk- about confidence well they brought on Son who had no confidence at all yeah. and then ended up getting a, a I think his first now. one was a screamer wasn't it and then within moments just got that drive back and then like you say he ended up going home with the match ball well mm. if, his, if his first one was a screamer confidence flips like yeah. that you can have, you can have one yeah. good touch you can do a touch you can do a pass and all of a sudden you yeah. feel like you can take on the world again yeah and, with, with, and, with, with the court sorry with the confidence as well like you know you when, when you're when you've got your confidence you, your touch is that a little bit better mm-hmm. the ball runs just where you want it you knock the ball off nice and quick because somebody else is running well, you're you, relaxed, know, you? You're you know relaxed. you're yeah and you see like uh like uh Tottenham as well as Arsenal like when they're confidence bang they were doing their little tricks and you know it's all like when you get the three nil up you think oh, I can do one little it doesn't matter because I know my defense is doing really really well you you start losing confidence then you have that extra touch you're you're looking for that 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 little maybe that dynamite pass. You might be yeah. trying to force the game out a little bit more, and you don't need to do that. What you need to do is actually remember your training, keep the keep trying to be positive, keep trying to have that decent touch, keep trying to move the ball around so the ball whizzes around the pitch a lot quicker. Uh, and that's that is not easy to do because you're always putting that little bit more pressure on yourself to, to perform. Better because you're you're lacking that little bit of confidence. But, but, but and it, it can change. That that's exactly it. Yeah. The situation might not even change. You could receive the same ball, yeah. exactly the same yeah. pass when you're confident, yeah. and when you're not confident, and they yeah. would feel like two completely different. Two balls. completely different. Yeah, hundred percent. In yeah. your mind, you're negative. You're thinking negatively rather than think positively. Thinking what can go wrong? Yeah, 
And it's that fear of failure. It, it, yeah. it is, it, as often yeah. sport comes down to, and that is Talking confidence. That, then, would, would we have been... Uh, did you see the goals, Josh? Would you have been surprised that Son decided to hit it from well, where I, he I, did? I haven't actually seen any of them. OK, no, that, that's fair enough. Um, Rick, I'll come to you on that one, because it's like we say about confidence, that, you know, that would also take into account your ability to even attempt certain things. So the fact that he even went for it showed that he still obviously had a little bit of inner confidence in himself, which I guess comes with being a top-flight footballer, regardless of your form. I don't yeah, know. But... Look who I'm asking. Rick, tell us. I know. There you go. <laughs> Boys. Always on form. But you know what I mean? He still had the confidence to hit it from a long way out. Yeah, Son knows what's been going on in training. He knows what sort of touch he's in. It just hasn't manifested itself on the pitch so far this season. He knows he's got it in his locker to do that. And if he doesn't try it, he's certainly not going to score it. Yeah. And then once he's done one bit, the rest of it all follows and it slots into place and uh, Spurs end up scoring six, which is is never a good thing. That's interesting. Uh, does Fish, Fishy comes on here sometimes? Fishy's been on here, yes, hasn't he? Does, yeah. 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 Ask him about next time he comes on. Ask him about a conversation he had with Paul Scholes. Um, yeah. Fishy had a really okay. interesting conversation with Paul Scholes. I've only heard it secondhand, so I can't remember it off the top of my head. And it's something like Fishy asked what the difference was between a top top player and a not so great player. And it's something along the lines of he said, nothing, technically, there's very little in it. It's all decision making in your brain. Yeah, the bottom player won't see the pass and will play it safe. Like a, as you go up, they'll start seeing the pass, but they won't believe in themselves to do it. And he said, like in the championship, they'll see the pass, they'll go for it, and they won't quite do it. But he said, at the top level, they'll see the pass and they'll do it. So they believe yeah. in themselves. So that comes back to that son goal. They yeah. have that ingrained mindset of they, they see it, they do it, and they believe in themselves they can do it. Mm. And as you fall further down the line, it's a when it, honestly, ask Fisher to tell you because it opened my eyes to a different way of looking at football, and I thought, "Wow, that is is fascinating." So our station manager is listening to this. So uh, station manager, getting booked the next week. You heard it here first. He's got a story <laughs> about Scolzi. Come on. No, what he meant was get Scolzi on. Boys, we've only got we've only got a um, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so um, we're going to have to to wrap it up, boys. So I just want to leave on making. No, I know it's great, isn't it? I know. How refreshing. <laughs> um, I just want to touch on making everybody involved feel old because I'm sure you would have seen this weekend that um, Ethan. Nwaneri, I think I've got that right, yeah. has, um, has become the youngest ever player in the Premier League now at 15 years and 181 days. He was born in 2007. Thorpe, wow. how are you feeling? Oh, stroll on. <laughs> <laughs> so old. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. Crazy, but, but really, really good to see. But I, th- I love it. I love the way they brought him on, uh, given that little bit of experience for 10 minutes and... Uh, or how long ever he had, and um, and then hopefully in the next two years he'll probably get half an hour, and so they're building him up. What a fantastic opportunity! Yeah. It sounds like a fantastic, um, prop, you know, prospect, and uh, let's hope it's one of these prospects that come through. You know, I've been uh, uh, listening to. Um, You're gonna have other... to wrap it up, Thorpe. You're gonna have to wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, let's let's hope he 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 gets to his dreams. Dave, Dave I, I heard I heard he's not going to hit his prime until 2037. And how scary is that then? <laughs> I'll wow. be in the box then. Okay. <laughs> on that on that note, um, gentlemen, thank yourself. you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Josh. Um, Rick, thank you box. very much for joining no us. No problem. Um, Google Pixel 6. Uh, Thorpey, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Josh. You've got your goal, mate. Apologies again. I will watch it back and let you know <laughs> and confirm that. <laughs> but um, you've been listening to Football Bloody Hell. You've been listening to Football Bloody Hell.
here on Three Valleys Radio. Thank you.